Good Monday evening, everyone, and thank you for spending part of it with us. Welcome to a Week 7 edition of the Coach McVay Show. The Rams are 4-2, and two, and now they play host to the Chicago Bears at SoFi. With DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long from downtown Los Angeles here at LA Live. DeMarco, how was your Monday? Good so far. Uh, I think we're under the 24-hour rule, so after the show, I can let this go? Yes, you can. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's bring in the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams. Sean McVay is with us tonight. Coach, sorry it didn't go your way in Week 6. How are you feeling? One night removed. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, like ready to move on from from that game to the Bears, and that's exactly what we have to do. A lot of your uh, players voice a sentiment that when something like we beat ourselves coming out of the locker room at Levi's Stadium, do you share that, and how do you kind of balance that with also giving San Francisco its due? Yeah, I think they did a nice job. Uh, you give the 49ers credit, but I think in a lot of instances, the level of execution that uh, we expect from our players uh, wasn't up to the standard, and uh, I think that's probably what they were more uh, – you know, alluding to there. I, I, it's a tough question, but I guess everyone's wondering why. I mean, why wasn't the execution there on game day versus the Niners? Yeah, I w- you know, I wish I had the answer. You know, clearly I've got to do a better job of getting us ready to go. Um, you know, I think it starts with me and uh, everything that we do leading up to it, whether it be the preparation, the clarity that we can provide when they get out there and um, just making sure that they can go play and, and that they're uh, as fresh as possible and then they lock in and they're ready to go. So I don't. I wish I had that answer. If I did, uh, we probably wouldn't be having to talk about it. I know you want uh, your temperament as a coaching staff to be the same as you close the book on the Niners and go to work on the Bears to how it might have been a week ago coming back from Washington. Does that come naturally? Does that come easily? Or on a week like this, is that something you have to be intentional about? Uh, yeah, I think you have to be intentional. It's much easier. You know, you always have to move on. You know, that's not difficult to move on. But, um, you know, looking at, uh, you know, just the genuine joy that you have when you accomplish the results you want as opposed to the other way around, it's it's much simpler, um, you know, when we get the result we got against Washington. But the consistency and the ability to move on, that never changes. You know, whether you enjoy a, uh, a win or you're having to get over a loss, you know, this time, once I get off this uh, call with you guys usually represents, Hey, it's time to move on and get ready for the upcoming opponent. We've done a lot of these with you. So I, I, I feel where you're coming from, but just, you know, everybody loses. So you can't win every single game out there. You wish you could, but you can't, but you had your opportunities. And if you hit those plays, that's a completely different ball game. Is that where some of that frustration is coming from right now? Yeah, I think so. I also think, um, you know, just anytime, you know, this is such a competitive league and, and you look at it and you certainly don't want to minimize what a great job the Niners did to be able to come away with the win. But um, when you end up playing a game that you know there's a lot of things that you can do at a much higher level and that we expect to do at a higher level, and then you feel like that definitely contributes to not getting the outcome you want, those are the ones that are a little bit more difficult as opposed to, all right, this is a high caliber back and forth game. And um, you know, just, uh, you know, didn't, didn't come away with it at the end. Um, this was one of those deals where I think we can play a lot better. It's not like they kicked your tail, you know, yeah. there's a difference, right? Yeah, there is. But, uh, you know, we, it, I just think the execution snap in and snap out is what we, we expected to be better in all three phases. And there were some positive takeaways and guys continued to compete, but, but I expect us to play at a, a much better level than that. Uh, you know, as we move forward. What were some of those positives? Like, who played well? It, it wasn't all bad, like DeMarco is saying, and I know you're not really keen on, like, signaling out individuals in a moment like this, but surely there were some great individual performances in Week 6. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I thought when you look at it defensively, I thought Jalen came ready to roll. Uh, I thought he was physical. I thought he, when the when he got his playoffs, I thought he delivered. 
Uh, I thought Leonard Floyd did a nice job. And then, uh, you know, Aaron always shows up and, and, and consistently makes an impact, even if it wasn't as big as sometimes we're accustomed to. And then offensively, you know, I thought Daryl Henderson was a bright spot. On Mondays, whether it's a win or a loss, how do you like to watch film? Just like mechanically, do you power through chronologically or how do you like the clips organized for you to break down and to kind of extract what you need from the game that was? Yeah, I watch it chronologically in all three phases. The other guy I'll tell you that I don't want to forget, I thought Simba Webster did some real positive things on sure. special teams. You know, he had a great play as a gunner on the punt coverage unit and then he did a nice job showing some explosion on the return. So uh, that was a real positive for him and, and I thought uh, that's something that we can definitely build on. But to answer your original question, JB, um, I, I watch it chronologically, uh, sep separated by each phase. Any practical advice for coaches or players who might be listening when it comes to kind of maximizing those hours that you do put in in front of the screen? Yeah, I think uh, it, I think it just depends on kind of your level of involvement with each phase. You know, I certainly want to make sure I'm understanding exactly what's going on, uh, and and you're in tune with everything and all the decisions that are being made on defense and on special teams, but especially when you're uh, you know, one of the, the, a play caller on one of those phases, I think you got to be ultra critical and, and make sure that you're self scouting and, and not afraid to take accountability for a lot of the decisions that you have to make. And as a head coach, you know, you have a responsibility with all three phases, but I definitely would say I'm, I'm ultra in tune with some of the things offensively because you feel such a large uh, part of responsibility uh, being the play caller as well. I know you. it's it's about the next win for you, but did you feel more pressure going into this game? It's like going back to Washington was a thing. You playing in San Francisco is always going to be a thing. Any more pressure on you for this no, week? No, I, I, I didn't feel that. I, I think it was important for our team to go get the win. Um, you know, now that it's been a, a few years, maybe the first time you go there, it's pretty special because of, uh, you know, your grandfather's legacy and seeing his name up there in the corner. But um, I think we're, we're, we got to be able to get past that. And we knew it was a great opponent. And unfortunately, we didn't get it done. You know, the 49ers game plan was well executed. Garoppolo averaged less than 2.4 seconds to throw. His depth of target in the first quarter was actually negative, but but they got to where they wanted to be with the football. And it, it left me with the question, well, why doesn't every offense try and do this against Aaron Donald and the Rams? And I, I wonder from your standpoint, what does it take to move the chains with that approach? And, you know, on the other side, what is the appropriate response from a defense? Because I'm sure this won't be the last time opposing offenses try it. Yeah, I think, first of all, you know, Kyle does a great job and, and they're able to stretch people laterally while still getting some vertical displacement on you. And, you know, they had a lot of those, uh, you know, kind of they were running some of those jet sweeps to Debo Samuel, but those are going down on the pass stats because Garoppolo was flipping it to him. So they ran that play four times um, and they do a great job. You know, they're 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 known for their outside perimeter, you know, wide zone running scheme and. Uh, they'll, they'll toss it, um, and, and they'll, they'll do a great job of creating different numbers and leverages and angles. And that is a way of kind of minimizing the impact that an interior player of Aaron's caliber can have on the game. Uh, and that was something that was reflective of their game plan yesterday for sure. What is it about Shanahan's in the run game? Is, is it precise? Is it how they do it? I mean, I just, I, I love the way they attack a defense running the football, but what is it about from your eyes, from what you see and how they run the football and why they do it so well? Yeah, I think it's uh, I think it's the creativity, it's the precision, it's the angles. Uh, you're seeing a lot bigger influence, their ability to do a lot of these things out of the shotgun. 
they're changing the math with their motions and, and the willingness for all 11 to block and contribute to it. You know, really, at t- 10 of the 11, they don't ask, you know, the, the quarterback to do that. But carrying out fakes definitely influences the backside of some of these defensive structures. But it's the commitment to it. It's the detail. It's the precision. And, you know, it's the marriage of that with their uh, pass game. Would it be fair to say that when – your defense has struggled to get off the field this season, and they certainly had their bright moments. But tackling seems to be the common element when it isn't going right, and again last night. Well, I think that's consistent for any defense. You know, I think you want to give credit to, you know, you look at Kittle does a great job. And, uh, you know, the second play of the game I thought was more reflective of, you know, guys just not realizing he was down. And it's Mm -hmm. a good little reminder for us, you know, kind of fortunately bounced on top of somebody that enabled him to stay up. But, couple of the third down conversions where they're kind of catching some check downs below the sticks and they were able to kind of create a couple extra yards after the catch that enabled them to keep drives alive. Those were those were difficult and those will be good learning and teaching opportunities for us moving forward. Yeah, I was trying to explain to someone if I gave Sean McVay 35 cracks at my defense in, you know, the first half of the football game, he's going to know everything there is to know about my defense. It's just you have to help him out on the other side of the football and keep the defense off the field. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely a lot easier to uh, to get into a rhythm when you're getting plays off, and you know, like I like we talked about a little bit already. I thought the defense did a great job of settling in in the second half and playing really well and giving us plenty of opportunities to be able to come away with the win. But uh, there were uh, some instances that we uh, we will play better, and I I know we will uh, moving forward in the early parts of the game. What do you make of that first second half discrepancy? I think it's 88 points versus 26 after the half. Is is that anything other than a statistical anomaly at this point? Does that have any kind of conversations internally percolating about how you can smooth that out? Yeah, well, I think, you know, we do such a good job defensively that I, I think, you know, in some instances you're seeing some new stuff that they've had to kind of creatively come up with because there's not a lot of good looks at things that, that maybe you've done in, in previous games that, you would want to, uh, you know, try to execute or in the early parts of the game. So I think it's more a reflection of great adjustments by our guys, but certainly want to be able to uh, to play as well in the first half in the sec- as we are in the second half. But I think overall our defense has been a real bright spot for this football team. Totally agree. When you finally got them in situations where, you know, you can rush the passer, you got pressure on Garoppolo and you got them off the field. In the second half, like you said, the defense really – came alive and gave you some opportunities to get back in the game and ultimately, like you said, possibly tie it or take the lead. So, you know, it's just one of those tough things, man. I mean, is it is it hard for you when you're when you're you're out there and you're trying to get the ball back and then when you do and something goes wrong and you you can't take the lead, you can't do what you want. I mean, is it tough for you to settle your team down and say, hey, look, just stay with it and we'll get the plays eventually to get back in this game? Yeah, it is. And it was a frustrating night. You know, I think we ended up making a couple of them and we had our opportunities. You know, that tight red zone sequence in the third quarter that we didn't come away. Uh, we definitely had some uncharacteristic things that uh, a lot of guys that have made a handful of great plays for us uh, consistently, you know, made some uncharacteristic mistakes. But you know, we, we had some chances. I certainly uh, take a f- huge part of the responsibility for consistently making better decisions to put our guys in better spots. But overall, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confident that this is an outlier performance for us. We'll dig into some of those opportunities lost at San Francisco coming up here on the Coach McVay Show, Week 7 edition. But uh, first, Coach, to wrap up this opening segment, can you remind us how this, the weekly schedule is kind of altered for the Rams as you have Monday Night Football coming up next? Yeah, so really we just, um, you know, we'll kind of use our Wednesday as a, a little bonus day and, and we'll kind of get the guys in and just get a more of an above-the-neck day and, and a little intro to the Bears. And 
Uh, and then we'll just kind of our, our normal busiest days of the week on a, on a normal day when you play on Sundays are Wednesday, Thursday and Friday. And so what we just do on a Monday schedule is typically just bump that back one day. So Thursday's uh, a normal Wednesday, Friday's a normal Thursday and Saturday is a normal Friday. If that's not too confusing. No, I think we got it. I think we got it. Yeah, you do have an extra 24 hours built in coming back from another road trip to San Francisco. The Rams are 4-2. and two. They got a nice win over the Bears last year. We'll see if they can replicate it here in 2020. Coming up next, Jared Goff was critical of his performance, but upon review, was there more good than bad? We'll ask the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams next on the Coach McVay Show, 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back to the Coach McVay Show. Getting set to welcome the Chicago Bears, who are off to a 5-1 and one start, to SoFi Stadium in Inglewood. We continue on this Monday night with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long, and we bring back the head coach of the Los Angeles Rams, Sean McVay. And I wonder what it's like to hold the play sheet in a first half that, that features a play count deficit of 41-21 and you know, 21 minutes of possession in the first half. Like That was kind of a dream scenario, I imagine, when the Niners went to sleep on Saturday night in terms of how they could keep you at bay with, with their possession and their running game. Yeah, no, it, it was uh, it was definitely a, a frustrating start to the game in terms of trying to get any sort of continuity or rhythm offensively, but uh, hats off to them for executing a, a good plan, and um, it was definitely uh, definitely tough. Man, if you hit that one to cup right after the Higby catch, uh, where he bluff blocks and then goes right behind Fred Warner. If you hit that, like you said, man, you're driving down for points on that first drive. Yeah, you would think so, you know. But this is a this is a funny game, and there's uh, shifts in momentum throughout the course of it, and, and we've got to uh, not enable some missed stops to to kind of lead to other missed stops and, and be able to overcome it. And and we've been able to do that in a lot of instances this season. And last night, uh, you know, we had a tough time doing that. Does that even need to be addressed, the disconnect between Cooper Cup and Jared Goff, or are we just confident that they'll play the rest of their careers and never have another night like that? I, I would think that uh, those two conscientious guys, we're going to make sure that we do everything we can to, to get back on the same page. But um, in this game, things like that do occur. You'll have nights like this, but uh, I'm very confident that those are the kind of guys that will definitely respond, and uh, we'll see uh, a lot more of what we're accustomed to moving forward. What happened on the deep ball? Uh, when you when you finally got Cooper Cup out there deep, and it just it seemed like it was off target, he had to change course and try to make a correction on the ball. What was going on on that play? Yeah, you know they, they had a split safety coverage, and Cooper was uh, you know kind of the primary on that route right down the middle. We had a little bit of an interior push uh, coming from the left side, and Jared kind of hitched to his left. And when he did hitch to complete that throw, he kind of um, got run up. He, his left foot ended up coming down on, on Whitworth and, and kind of changed the ah. trajectory of where that ball uh, ended up going on him late and kind of sailed a little bit to the left. You know, I know he was pretty self-critical afterwards, but when I watched it back today, I was struck by like just kind of jotting down notes how many more good plays there were than bads, like e even in no some, some adverse situations, some good incompletions uh, even from Jared Goff, the way that he handled that game. Yeah, there was definitely some – there were some positive things. You know, I mean, I think even in our first scoring drive, to be able to convert with his legs uh, yes. when they bring the double-A you know, double gap pressure and he steps through and does a nice job at the finish. I thought the touchdown throw to Robert Woods was outstanding. Um, but um, the, the way that he's played and the expectations he has for himself, you know, there's a lot of things that I think um, – He'll do better moving forward, but there was it wasn't all negative. There was definitely some positives, like you're mentioning, JB. I, I don't like when quarterbacks have to run, but that was gutsy when he pulled it down and had to pick up that first down. That was a gutsy ass run. It was, you know, and those are those are those igniter type plays that you want to be able to capitalize on. And 
you know, I thought I thought we were going to really get rolling after that drive because those two plays in particular, and especially overcoming the holding call that we got down in there, to be able to convert on a third and big ten time. was a big-time play by he and Robert. I referenced the time of possession earlier, and I'm not usually huge into that that stat, but I wonder, did it keep your tempo in check in a way because it's kind of high risk to go quickly in that type of game and potentially have to put your defense right back out there? Yeah, what it does is just minimize. I mean, the margin for error is just so slim, you know, and then if you're not automatic on early downs and then you, you, you're not getting converting on third downs, it's just, you know, your opportunities are so far and few between. And so when you end up having, you know, less than 25 plays in the first half and um, the things are going the way they are, and you got all these different things that you want to be able to get off. And so much of our stuff is complementary plays off of other plays, and you can't get a chance to really show those and uh, and kind of use those to your benefit because you're not able to get the first ones off in the first place. You got the beer keg going, Daryl Henderson. <laughs> yeah, he was attacking he, it up the field. He, he did a good job. He had some good runs. There was a lot of space on a couple of those too that uh, he, that I think he could pull through some of those tackles. So. He uh, he did he, did, he I thought he ran tough and physical and then thought there were some some plays that were really well blocked also that was where I thought uh, Cooper did a really nice job on a couple of those counter actions where he was wrapping gra- back across the formation and blocking safeties in the hole and uh, gave there a lot of space on those. I loved your reaction to the Reynolds touchdown. The cameras caught it perfectly in the backdrop uh, of Goff on the replay. Did you feel like that had potential from the snap? It's, it almost looked like you knew that was coming. Uh, yeah, that was, uh, we had run a similar play a couple plays earlier with Van Jefferson. And so they kind of were continuing to play the same coverage. And that was, uh, something that, uh, definitely we had a feeling that would, if we, if we got it up and down, that it was going to be a t- uh, touchdown. I don't know if you've seen that. You need to see I that. I haven't seen it. I, well, you're in the background and before he lets it go, you're like sprinting towards the end zone. <laughs> like we've got it. You know what I mean? Like you knew yeah. it was going to happen right before it happened. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> You know, it's one of the few things I like. <laughs> <laughs> when you talk about not getting all the way into your inventory, I wonder if some of the keeper game was part of that because you killed him with that bootleg game last year at Levi's. Was it was it a sign of respect that it was not as prominent a part of last night's plan, expecting them to shore that up, or was it something that just didn't kind of evolve as the game went on? A little bit of both. Uh, you know, they they you could see they had committed where they were kind of reading out of some different things with flow away, but. Uh, no excuse. I mean, still should have given a couple of them a chance. But but again, it all goes hand in hand where uh, anytime you're able to check a lot of those things off as far as your, your calls, your priority calls you want to get off. And when you leave a game with a lot of those things unchecked, uh, you know, we just weren't getting as many opportunities as we're accustomed to. And I think that's a result of us not being as efficient as we've been. How are some of these guys sniffing out your screens? Well, they didn't rush at all on that one. Yeah. So that was, uh, it was a good job by Armstead and, um, you know, how did he know? How did he know that? Not well, to rush I, then. Yeah, I mean, they were really kind of playing soft like that on the edges the majority of the game, whether it was for the boot actions or for some of those. And um, I didn't think it was a very good sell by us either. Hmm. Not related to that, but uh, it's kind of just the next thought that was on my mind. I wonder, I'm sure you're changing up the meanings of the audibles week by week, right? Because with the silence in, in these stadiums, it must be like a baseball team having to change its signs so that water or any of the other number of things you use at the line of scrimmage mean different things week to week yeah we're cognizant of the words that we put out there and um i don't think that was one of those deals that was reflective of that i think uh you know because they've still got to make their calls on defense and adjust to but if you're ever you know truly slowed down and stopped at the line that's when they can really hear a lot of the stuff that you're mm-hmm. doing but uh in a lot of instances jared has sometimes communicate that sooner than uh before they even have their call and they're not even necessarily hearing that 
I heard this in the press conference. Just say it again for us here. Um, Cam Akers was up, didn't play that much. That was just a function of the game and how it went. That's exactly right. Nothing that he didn't do. Uh, you know, we've talked about it a lot already on here, but the limited opportunities that we did have in the first half, and then before you know it, it's uh, it's the second half, and Cam hasn't even gotten in yet. The one series that Thomas gets him in for, we go incomplete on first down, and then Malcolm's in on second and ten, and and then Daryl's back up, and uh, we just uh, you know nothing that Cam didn't do. Uh, more result of uh, us not being efficient. Is there something he can do in those Wednesday, Thursday, Fridays of a normal week to kind of earn more of of your trust in certain situations? No, I, no, I don't. I mean, just continue to do what he's doing. Uh, we talked about it as a staff, and, and Thomas is so good about you know creatively thinking of ways to get him more involved, even if it is a game like that. But uh, you know, Daryl did a lot of good things, and uh, I think you'll continue to see us uh, figure out better ways of utilizing all three. Speaking of Thomas, Thomas Brown, the running back's coach, uh, an unfortunate accident at practice last week. Can you give us the latest on his status? Yeah, he's uh, he's such a stud. He's, he gives those guys, uh, you know, reads as if he's playing kind of an edge defender, and he's so twitchy and sudden that he actually popped his Achilles last week, unfortunately. Uh, he was in a boot last night on the sideline, moving around pretty easily, but he is uh, scheduled to get surgery tomorrow, so we're praying that everything goes well for him. Yikes, Achilles surgery. That's rough. Uh, that's my yeah. worst nightmare, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? How, that's why I don't yeah. play pickup hoop anymore. How, how soon do you expect him back at the facility if everything goes well? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, at some point this week, I mean, he'll, he'll want to come back in, you know, as soon as possible, but we'll also be smart in understanding how serious and severe that uh, injury and how good we want to be about the recovery. But this guy's a stud. Uh, he'll be back this week and. He, um, he'll be rolling around on a scooter, and his left leg will be extremely strong. Nice. How do you feel about your bigs up front? No sacks. Pretty good run in the football. How do you feel about their, the job they did on, on game day? Yeah, I think the, you know there were some instances where Jared had to throw the ball away. Uh, I thought they were okay. I thought they were pretty, pretty okay. Um, you know, really, any time our offense has that kind of production, you know, I just expect more from everybody. You know, we can't have the penalties. The one thing that we've been pretty good about is – we haven't had the pre-snap penalties. We had two of those up front, and we haven't had really the holdings, and we had one that, you know, fortunately we were able to overcome in the tight red area. But um, there were some good things, uh, like there always is, and there were some things that I think we can get cleaned up, and, and I think the guys would tell you the same thing. What about that other red zone sequence? I think you had six consecutive running plays to get to second and goal from the two, and maybe you can take it from there culminating in a, in a fourth down interception that, you know, I didn't necessarily play. fault yeah. Goff or throwing. I wonder if you did either. No, I didn't. You know, that's a situation where, you know, that the corner out was the read. Verrett did a nice job of kind of falling off. You know, maybe he could have changed where the, the location was a little bit firmer, but that's just being ultra critical. You know, and the, the, the sequence of plays there was, uh, was pretty uh, unique for us because we had a second down where we kind of had tossed it to Daryl and, uh, you know, two of our more reliable players at the point of attack in Higby and Everett where we've got basically a two-on-two two and uh, you're kind of just outrunning Hyder to the to the front pylon and we ended up kind of losing leverage on one of those blocks and, uh, you know, their linebacker ended up knocking us out of bounds and then uh, on the third down had a sequence, uh, you know, where a play that we've run a lot, a little bit of a miscommunication with exactly everything that should occur pre-snap, but ultimately we still were able to get the throw and catch that uh, Jared and Cooper will connect on a lot more times than not, and, and we didn't do it there. The play on the drop was a miscommunication? Something happened there? Uh, yeah, there should have been a, another something else that should have occurred pre-snap, oh, but wow. it, it really, it, 
it shouldn't have it didn't really affect the the ability to, uh, to get that done it was a hell of a route did everything right except catch the ball yeah yeah the Coach McFay Show is brought to you by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about, and we appreciate Sean joining us to preview Week 7. We'll get into the Bears a little bit before we're done here tonight. Uh, it was fun listening to Al and Chris on, on the TV copy kind of debate this, the, the trailing by 15 scenario, right? You need two touchdowns and one two-point conversion, and you know throughout the coaching ranks there's different approaches to this. I'd love for you to kind of discuss the pros and cons that you went through in, in your own head as you get that first touchdown and what to do next. Yeah, I think it's, it's really um... – you know, I don't necessarily think there's a right or wrong, but you're you make it a one possession game by scoring a touchdown and kicking the extra point, and it becomes a two possession game if if you end up scoring the touchdown and you don't convert the two point conversion. Um, so you're kind of just saving that for for the last deal, and especially because you might you know you know never know you might end up getting three possessions out of it. I know there was a, a little bit of time left, but if you get a turnover or whatever, and then you get a stop uh, and a quick score, so. Uh, my thoughts were uh, to be able to get to the, you know, to the 15. Let's go ahead and kick the extra point, and then uh, and then go for two uh, when we score again. Yeah, the the extra point that comes back. I mean, how many questions have you answered about uh, Samuel Sloman today? Yeah, too many. Uh, you know, it's it, we got to we got to be more consistent from that spot, and um, those are things that uh, that have hurt us, and and uh, it hasn't been uh, it hasn't been good enough. I know there's some COVID complications to bringing in anyone for a tryout these days, uh, even more so since the NFL has doubled down on its policies. Uh, is that a logistical concern, whether it's kicker or any position, about how you kind of continue to evaluate other options externally? Yeah, I think, you know, it, it's definitely part of the dialogue and the discussion, um, you know, but we're always going to do what we think is in the best interest of the team and, and figure out the ways to make us as competitive as possible and um, those are di- those are discussions and dialogues that occur daily here. I, I didn't see the block yet. I haven't watched that film. I mean, was it a great play by them or just he kicked it too low? Yeah, it was too low. Just too low, period. Okay. Yeah, yep. All right, coming up next, the Bears and Matt Nagy will be at the Coliseum. The Rams, or I beg your pardon, last year the Rams got a 17-7 win at the Coliseum. Now they're coming to SoFi, and we'll preview that coming up with the head coach of your Los Angeles Rams on the Coach McVay Show tonight, a Monday night from downtown Los Angeles on 710 ESPN. All right, welcome back, everyone. We bring back Sean McVay. This is the Coach McVay Show. It's a Week 7 edition. Looking forward to being back at SoFi Stadium. The Chicago Bears are coming in town for another primetime affair on Monday Night Football. Uh, Coach, since we've spoken to you last, uh, I know that Jordan Fuller has been placed on injured reserve. You also had an injury update for Obo Okoronkwo last week. Uh, Good news is you came out relatively clean from Week 6, but maybe we can talk about just the design, the plan, the thought with Fuller in particular, who's had a nice first half. Does that put him in line to come back after the bye week you almost get four weeks for three on IR there it does yeah and, and that was kind of uh the whole intent behind it when we discussed it with Jordan and getting him back will be a big boost he's done a great job uh unfortunately we've had a couple of those stingers and want to be smart and he's so good about being able to communicate to us how he's feeling and I do think that uh that'll serve him well and, and he'll come back fresh and ready to go afterwards it was good to see Micah Kaiser back out there yeah Micah did a nice job it, it, it was good to get him back out there for sure you know, one of the takeaways from the second half, it, it felt like watching it live, we got more Ramsey versus Kittle. I'm not sure that was necessarily the case, but what I did notice second pass today is Terrell Burgess got some nice opportunities against one of, if not the best tight ends in the league in that second half. Is that the start of something? Yeah, he did a really nice job. You know, he played, uh, you know, right around probably nine or ten snaps, and it's not too big for this guy. He's got great athleticism. He's physical. He can run. Um, you know, I, I think uh, the uh, – you know, the future is bright for Terrell Burgess. We're very, uh, very high on him. 
And I don't mean to compare those two necessarily, the rookie safeties in your draft class, but because of draft order and Fuller kind of having the bigger impact early in the season, I wonder if you can just walk us through the difference in their roles and also just generally the difference in which you know the light comes on or the opportunities arrive for certain players in this league. Yeah, both these guys are guys that we think have extremely bright futures. Uh, they had great camps. You could feel that uh, they were going to be able to make an impact as rookies immediately even though we already had, you know, such great depth at safety with J.J. and, and Taylor Rapp, uh, guys that have played a lot of good football. But uh, you look at Jordan, and he is kind of in that safety mold where he's got great range, uh, great communication skills, uh, really from the back to the front, uh, being able to play on that third level of the defense. But he can certainly play as an underneath second-level player. And then Terrell Burgess is kind of your, uh, your joker on defense that can really, uh, you know, he's got history playing corner, nickel, and safety position. And his versatility uh, to be able to play and, and get some different matchups is a really uh, big positive. But he could play safety or he could play the star position for us, and, and that's a real winning edge. And Rapp and John Johnson the third played pretty well last night as well, right? They did. They did a nice job. I thought they communicated well. I thought they were solid. Um, and, uh, you know, they took advantage of their playoffs. What would you want back on the on the fourth and two in terms of, I don't know, alignment or coverage assignments that Kittle took to the house? Yeah, uh, you know, I think, uh, you know, we ended up pressuring them right there. Want to try to, you know, maybe change our leverage up a little bit. And then if they do get a uh, completion, we'll try to get them down. But it's a great player, and, and Kittle made a nice play right there. One other personnel tidbit, we were chatting just a bit off air that the calendar's kind of coming around for Sean Robinson, defensive tackle, who is part of your blueprint going into this year, has not been able to participate much yet. Is there any update on on where he's at in terms of practice or maybe even dressing for the Rams? Yeah, he is, uh, you know, he's been doing a great job getting a lot of work in uh, with Coach Lovett and, and being on a strict regimen. And, um, and now we're looking forward to getting him back practicing this week. And hopefully in the near future, um, maybe in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to see him actually participate and play on game day. And we'll obviously have to get him up and active for that. But uh, it'll be good to get him back practicing this week. Where does he fit? Uh, with Aaron, uh, with Brock, or in place of Brock? Where does he fit on the field? Yeah, with all those guys. You know, I, I think uh, anytime that you can – you can't have enough uh, big bodies that have some position flex across the interior part of your front. And so uh, that's what he'll reflect for us. Um, it'll be good to just get him out there. And, and I think, uh, like anything else, you know, kind of carve that uh, role out for yourself based on how you perform. But, but his versatility, uh, being able to play at those interior spots all across the line, is something that we feel like uh, can be a real positive. Have you had a chance to come up for air at all and just kind of survey the landscape in the NFC? I mean, as we watch the Cardinals all over the Cowboys tonight on Monday Night Football, I'm reminded that Tampa Bay jumped up and handed Green Bay its first loss in the afternoon window. Like, it, it looks pretty level. It looks pretty wide open across your conference right now, Sean. Yeah, I think that's this league in general. I mean, it's it's so competitive. Uh, things occur week in and week out that make you realize how difficult it is to, to find a way to win. And um, and that's why, you know, what we can't allow is, is the disappointment of last night uh, to bleed into next week. And um, can't wait to get going on our prep for the Bears. We know what a good opponent they are getting to 5-1 uh, and, and, and finding a way to really play good complimentary football. And uh, it's going to be a great challenge for our football team next week. I used to have to force myself to watch, like after a loss, to, to watch things that happen. Just you want to get away from football, but it's important to stay with it even through a loss. Yeah, I just can't help myself. I just love the misery of it. So I, I you know, I just um, I, I stay around it, and uh, I probably would be better served sometimes to to catch a break from it. But um, 
I just love punishing myself. <laughs> you know, since earlier in this show, you mentioned like just how short an NFL practice week is, right? Oh, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. I wonder, not that you needed any refresher, but like, is it impressive like what those three practices can mean to a franchise, to a team, to an organization? Because the one that played Miami and San Francisco was certainly not the one that showed up against you last night. Yeah, it, what, it, what you realize is just what a small margin for error you have in this league and how uh, every single week, you know, you get a chance to write your own story. And if you hang on the narrative from the previous week, then usually probably, uh, you know, you're not getting the result that you want. And you got to be able to uh, move forward, whether it be from uh, good things or bad things, and get ready for the next opponent. And I think the thing for us that we've got to really continue to focus on is the good teams, and I think the teams that you see that will play into the playoffs this year will be the teams that get better as this season uh, continues to go on, and, and that's what we've got to really focus on doing and just be more consistent, snap in and snap out in, in all three phases. Hey, the old adage, uh, you, you learn more things from a loss. I mean, it's you, you can't wait to get back to the practice field. I bet you're in that same mode. You can't wait to get back to work and then get back on the field to correct what went wrong on game day. Yeah, it's the only thing that heals, you know, because you wake up that, you know, the morning after you don't get the results you want, you wake up, you got this pit in your stomach and you're praying it's just a bad dream. And then you realize, oh, nope, this is not a bad dream. This really occurred. So how do we move forward? And the only way I know how to do that is to go back to work. You, you look at yourself first. Then you look at the things that you can do to help your players and uh, everybody else improve so that we can get uh, more consistent process. And then ultimately that leads to the results that we want. I know we're going to talk about the Bears before we're done here tonight, but just as a bit of a preview, I was reminded for some reason this morning of that mentality that it took to win that game last year. If I remember correctly, you were shorthanded, you were injury depleted, and it was just this great rallying cry for the group to kind of come out, different personnel packages, downhill, physical, tough on both sides of the football. I wonder, we're in that game, in that win, Sean, were there seeds of something that became the identity of what you think and hope this 2020 group will be? I think, uh, you know, I think any time that you're a good football team, I think there's a toughness that accompanies that identity. I think there's a, an ability to be able to uh, play physical, out-hit your opponent. I think that was definitely reflected in that night, and uh, that's something that we definitely want to embody as an identity for this team. And uh, I think we're still kind of figuring that out as we go. The first guy I think about when I think about Chicago is Khalil Mack. That's, that's, that's a good one to think about. That's the first guy that comes to mind. I mean, when you talk about identity, that's the first guy. Like Aaron Donald, that's the first guy you think about. Same thing with Khalil Mack. you got to match that intensity and keep that guy away from your quarterback and everybody else. Yeah, no, it's uh, he's a nightmare. He's a great football player. they got a lot of great players on their, uh, you know, really on their defense, but on their roster as a whole, and that's why it's going to be such a great challenge, and it's a big reason why they're 5-1. and one. I know you and uh, Brandon Staley had some conversations along the way about your matchup previously. Will that resurface again this week in any meaningful way? Oh, yeah, I think so. I mean, he's just got such good command on on what's going on, even though, you know, Coach Pagano's done a great job. It's a little bit different, but there are still some similarities. And, uh, you know, we got Leonard Floyd here, too, to be able to give us some uh, insight. <laughs> That's right. That's right. All right, we'll, we'll continue that uh, Week 7 preview on the other side. Plus, I know... Sean's just itching to give us his World Series prediction. How many games will it take for the Dodgers to win the ring as the uh, the year of championships in L.A. will hopefully continue? We're glad you're with us on this Monday night from downtown Los Angeles with DeMarco Farham, J.B. Long, and this is the Coach McFay Show on 710 ESPN.
All right, welcome back on this Monday night. We continue the Coach McVay Show with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. SoFi Stadium, the scene for Week 7. Incredible. We're at Week 7 already? Yeah. Two games away from the bye week, which falls right in the middle of the Rams' schedule. I'm not sure we've talked about that necessarily. Do you like having that bye right there in the middle? Is that a good place, Week 9, for you? Yeah, I think it is. What's been nice is having the Thursday night game early, too, which is kind of usually serves as a mini-bye, but obviously that won't be until a lot later for us, but Yes, I think uh, having the buy later on, you know, closer to the midseason serves as the uh, ideal break point. Went three and one in the first quarter of the season with a couple of wins going into the buy, a chance to go three and one again at the midway point. All right, let's look a little bit at the Chicago Bears. I know it's early in your week. Uh, we mentioned that the Rams defeated Chicago 17-7 at the Coliseum last year. Their defense right now really seems to be winning the day coming off a victory in Carolina. In fact, they've allowed just one touchdown in each of their last three games, Sean. Yeah, they've they've done a great job. Um, you know, I'm I'm excited about diving into this film and figuring out how we can put together a plan to to play uh, to play well against a really good opponent and, and figure out how uh, we can uh, try to come away with this win. It's going to be Foles, right? It is at quarterback. Uh, oh yeah. What do you see out of him? Uh, he's he. I mean, I don't know what to make of Nick Foles besides on game day. He's a tough out. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's a winner. He's, uh, you know, I, I haven't, you know, usually tonight reflects the start of our real prep into the upcoming opponent. Kind of, you're kind of closing the door on uh, the previous game, and especially with it being a little bit later. But I will say, you know, in a little bit of the, uh, you know, in the few instances I've seen him, he's done a great job. His command, you know, I remember watching him on the Thursday night game a couple weeks ago or whenever the heck that was against the Bucks. I guess that was a, a week and a half ago. He's checking off. He's recognizing man coverage, checks to an audible. He gets uh, the back on a uh, rail route out of the backfield and, and ended up putting him in position to win the game. So he's, uh, he's a big-time guy and makes the plays when he has to. Give you a quick preview of what you might see in terms of his uh, post-game commentary yesterday in Carolina. He was using that you'd rather win ugly than lose pretty uh, after beating the Panthers, and that was reminiscent of a couple of weeks ago when you shared a similar sentiment coming off of that New York Giants game. But look, if you got five wins at this juncture of the season, uh, you've done more than just win ugly, I imagine. No doubt. Yeah, a win is a win, and there's no style points in this league. It still goes down as the same thing. Uh, you don't get more credit. We're not in the uh, BCS playing for a playoff spot. You either win or you lose. And, um, you know, this is a, a big deal for uh, for them to be able to win five of their six games. And, and hats off to them. And, and it's a real reflection of what a great challenge it is for us. Would that drive you nuts if you were in the college ranks and you had to win with style points? <laughs> I don't know. I've never thought about it like that. <laughs> That's a good question. What would you dread more, having to run up a 45-point score or having to recruit 15 year olds to be the Definitely future of that. your program <laughs> that for sure that you know i've heard some horror stories about spending all the time and then they uh decommit to you the last second uh that, that'd be tough for me you, you just strike me as a guy that would jump on the kitchen table for a guy though no probably be pretty good at it <laughs> <laughs> you get him in there yeah. <laughs> yeah that doesn't mean that i like it <laughs> Before we get that too far away from Foles, just in terms of your perspective on on this game, he's got a pretty unique corner of NFL quarterbacking history, doesn't he? What's that? Nick Foles, just like his career arc oh, and what yeah, he's accomplished. No. Like just in terms of your perspective on the game, I'm sure you really dig that. Yeah, it's it's amazing. You know, I mean, shoot, he's he's been uh, he's been here with this organization and. Uh, you know, you talk about a guy that uh, is, it seems like he's just got a great way about himself. Uh, he's unf- unfazed, unflappable, and 
uh, you know, that, uh, that run that they made in, in Philly. And then just, you know, I can even remember early on in his career when he had some outrageous, what, 29 and two, when, when Chip Kelly was the head coach touchdown to interception ratio. So, uh, this guy's capable of getting hot. He came in here a couple years ago and played outstanding for the Eagles on a Sunday night game that, uh, was pretty impressive. So, we know what uh, what kind of caliber of player that uh, we're getting ready to see this week. Yeah, well, I'm hoping that you know your guy gets hot. You know, yep. yeah, especially I'm mean, starting this week of practice. I mean, coming out. What do you want to see from your football team when they take the field uh, for practice? Yeah, I just want to see a, a sharp, crisp operation. I want to see detail, urgency, uh, and an engagement so that our execution can be at a higher level from the jump. And if we see those things, I'm confident that our practice preparation will translate to game reality. Now, you won't turn off the music or take away the ping pong table, will you? No, we're not going to do no. that. Um, we, we These guys understand what we need to do better, and um, it's not like wholesale changes need to occur, but you always want to be able to self-evaluate and, and critique what are the things that we can do to try to avoid uh, you know some of the disappointing outings like what we had last night and, uh, and see how we can be better moving forward. I loved your line coming back from Washington about how sometimes getting on the plane on those long road trips can be a spot for you to recharge, right? Don't connect to the Wi-Fi. Don't look at at the cell phone. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, since you're coming off a of primetime game, since Monday Night Football is next, like, do you really notice the attention of the football world on you when you play those those single game windows? Like, do you get more commentary from friends and connections around the league? Only when you win. Only you when. Know? Oh, really? They're yeah. they're silent the last twenty four hours. Well, usually, uh, you know, because I'm not big on, I don't want the sympathy of, sorry about the lost text. You know, that's a good way just to piss me off even more. So uh, the texts are fewer and far between, you know, when you don't get those kind of results. You know, I always hear, I, I, you know, I'm always, I always talk to, you know, my family and Veronica right after the games. But it's weird because usually they'd be at these games, you know, and they can't come to these games now. But uh, I think I, I don't necessarily notice too much of a difference. Usually the difference is if uh, if you have a performance that's worthy of, of getting texted, you end up getting the text. If not, then nobody likes you. So I have to write that as a note. So only text you when you win. <laughs> <laughs> no. no. You, 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 you just be consistent. I like the consistency. Did you notice like that environment, which is normally like crackling with elect electricity, yeah, missing some of the juice? I mean, you've done yeah. it against the Cowboys, and I even remember like looking down for that that two minute drill that Dak and the Cowboys were about to run, and I had to like pinch myself and remind myself that this is not a scrimmage. Like this is the Cowboys and the Sunday it's, Night Football. It's strange. It really is. You know, you you come into these great atmospheres and environments, uh, and there's no fans in the stands, and you know, we're fortunate to be playing football game that we love and, and get a chance to coach it or players get a chance to play it. But uh, you do appreciate and realize what a great uh, energy and environment the fans help create. Just what an interesting year, man. I mean, with everything that you guys have to go through just to get on the field, you know, I mean, just everything with COVID, with the with no fans, just everything just to get on the field. And then you actually have to go play well to boot. And it's just got to be a strange year. It really is. It's it's uh, strange is a good way of putting it. I was even talking to the uh, the officials last night. They said they had they had the Tennessee game last week and there was fifteen thousand fans and they realized how much energy they even brought to the stadium wow. just having those fifteen thousand because there are a handful of venues now that are enabling fans in a limited capacity to be there. But uh, obviously, we have not played in any of those environments uh, to date. 
Well, the Dodgers are going to try and go win a championship in front of no one in particular, empty stadium. They've got the Tampa Bay Rays in the uh, the final, I think the third time in the last four years. Hopefully this is the year they get it done. And Sean, I know you've got uh, a chance to talk with Dave Roberts a couple of times along the way. Yeah, he's a stud. I mean, you talk about resilience, uh, great leader, uh, great communicator, all the things that you really want to embody. Uh, and for them to be able to overcome that deficit and get it done last night, really excited for those guys and looking forward to seeing them uh, finish the job against the Rays. Do baseball players practice or they just play? What are you talking about? <laughs> they take some BP. And yeah, they'll, they'll practice. But, I mean, I'll tell you the difference between, you know, those other sports is, you know, they'll still practice, but they can use their games as opportunities to really get better because you get so many of those ops. Yeah, that's right. You, you can you can go through your lineup, right? You're guaranteed yeah. the outs each night. You're not uh, dependent on winning the, the football back from your opponents. What do you yeah, think? How, how many games will it take, Sean, well, for them shoot, to bring I'm home not, the championship? I'm not betting on them losing. Let's see if we can go four. But, hey, whether it's four, five, six, or seven, I'll just be happy to see them, uh, you know, finish the deal. Uh, no matter how many games it takes. Amen to that. Bring back another championship to Los Angeles. What uh, what position would Sean McVay have played in his youth days, in the Little League days on a baseball field? Oh, definitely shortstop. I knew it. Why shortstop? Yeah. Well, because usually that's where you put your most skilled player in the early <laughs> parts of the uh, you know their their growth and development. You know, if you're not pitching, you're either you're you're right in the middle of the action. You're gonna have to hit your weight now. I was just gonna say, are, are you are you batting ninth or first or cleanup? Yeah, uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> the Coach McVay Show is brought to you by In and Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. We appreciate In and Out bringing you the Coach McVay Show every Monday night here in Los Angeles. Uh, for Marco Far, I'm JB Long. Sean, we know it was a tough one last night, but only the outset of NFC West play. Many more to come, including a rematch with those 49ers. As always, we wish you and your team and your coaches, including Thomas Brown, the best of health this week and uh, much success on Monday Night Football against the Chicago Bears. Okay, I appreciate it. Thanks, guys. All right, be sure to join us every week here at this time slot. We've also got Rams All Access coming your way on Thursday night. Maurice Jones-Drew will join DeMarco Farr and myself for that preview of Week 7 and the Chicago Bears. Have a good rest of your Monday night here on 710 ESPN.